everybody, it is Corey Poirier and really excited to be back with the latest edition of the show and also really excited to have a, uh, re I'm going to call him a recurring guest, not even just returning guest, recurring guest. Uh, he's been on the show quite a few times, uh, always sharing brilliant insight and always amazing to have him back. Uh, so James Redfield of the Celestine Prophecy and other amazing books. Uh, James, you know, we always get you to introduce yourself because there's still those listeners who may discover you for the first time. Uh, so maybe I'll get you to do that again, but uh, if you want, you can just do a, a mini introduction and then we'll jump right in. Well, you know, James Redfield, uh, you know, I've had a series of books beginning with a Celestine Prophecy um, that <clears throat> went far and wide, went viral before people, we had a name for that. Um, but as the pass turned out to be a pass along book, uh, and, and the book deals with uh, nine key insights that describe the experience and feeling of tuning in spiritually. In other words, having a real authentic spiritual experience. So uh, that got the book started. I've had uh, three other books since then. Now, these are novels, these are stories, of course. Uh, so we've got a total of uh, four of those out there now. I'm working on another one, uh, but they, the, all of my work deals with real spiritual consciousness and, not, and, and what you get from it. And, uh, so, and that's what we'll talk about today, I'm sure. Absolutely. So James, you know, that brings up a great point in terms of uh, the... everybody it is Corey Poirier and really excited to be back with the latest edition of the show and also really excited to have a uh, I'm gonna call him a recurring guest not even just returning guest recurring guest uh, he's been on the show quite a few times uh, always sharing brilliant insight and always amazing to have him back uh, so James Redfield of the Celestine Prophecy and other amazing books uh, James you know, we always get you to introduce yourself because there's still those listeners who may discover you for the first time. Uh, so maybe I'll get you to do that again, but uh, if you want, you can just do a, a mini introduction and then we'll jump right in. Well, you know, James Redfield, uh, you know, I've had a series of books beginning with a Celestine Prophecy um, that <clears throat> went far and wide, went viral before people, we had a name for that. Um, but as the pass turned out to be a pass along book, uh, and, and the book deals with uh, nine key insights that describe the experience and feeling of tuning in spiritually. In other words, having a real authentic spiritual experience. So uh, that got the book started. I've had uh, three other books since then. Now, these are novels, these are stories, of course. Uh, so we've got a total of uh, four of those out there now. I'm working on another one, uh, but they, the, all of my work deals with real spiritual consciousness and, not, and, and what you get from it. And, uh, so, and that's what we'll talk about today, I'm sure. Absolutely. So James, you know, that brings up a great point in terms of uh, the, the multiple books, but the books being novels and uh, adventures, if you will, as, as well within the novels. And I know we chatted about this before, but you're in sort of a unique position where it's, it's almost like, um, let's say maybe a self-help or personal development business fable, almost, or self-help personal development fable, if you will. Um, was that intentional or was that something that sort of just 
came to you as you were writing? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I, before I started writing, I, I was a therapist working with people and realized that most people's yearnings or, or for a greater spiritual connection, you know, more meaning in their life, more purpose uh, that they could find in history. And at, the, at that time, I was also following the human potential movement in which therapists were realizing that, you know, you can talk about your troubles and your hurts and anger and all that forever. And there's no way, uh, and it, it does little good. You, you're just, you know, stirring the mesh. And so, you know, what I realized, and, and it was a grand aha by that whole human potential uh, tradition, is that in order to break through what's holding you back, break through the hurts and fears and anxieties, uh, you have to replace that sense of self with another sense of self that, that feels more inspired and is purposeful and you can find a calling within uh, yourself that, that excites you. And, uh, you know, until you find that place, and, and therefore all psychotherapy is, or counseling, is a spiritual quest. And uh, that was a great aha before I started writing the Celestine Prophecy. So uh, I realized, I, I tried to do it as an academic book once, and got about halfway through it and, and said, yeah, this is nothing but talk, you know, that, that this is, this is boring me. And that's when I decided to do uh, a story based on my life from the experiences of other people in my life and what I was observing out there to talk about uh, this search for this interconnection spiritually. That's a real experience. It's not just accepting some religion, uh, although you know, it, it enhances religion. But it, you have to find the real experience for yourself, and that's transformed. So now, when you say that, um, I guess, and, and, and we're going to dive into, of course, the Celestine Prophecy and how it's still current and relevant to today. Uh, but I guess, you know, for you, when it, when it came to writing the book and when it was finished, and I asked this question, James, because this seems to be the question that people ask, you know, of writers and speakers and, and, uh, and musicians when they write a song. Um, but did you recognize as the book was being written and finalized that this was super powerful and that this could be a pass along book? Or was that something that after you were done, either popped out or just you watched it happen? Like, I'm just curious if you felt it while it was happening, I guess is the big question there. Well, I had a kind of, uh, a, a kind of experience, uh, uh, you know, years before in which I first realized that my calling was to write a book that would be meaningful about what, about a higher spiritual experience. And, and, uh, what happened was that, uh, uh, you know, we, we, I had, when I had, I had a kind of a daydream, you know, a vision, whatever you want to call it, but I saw the, uh, the whole thing. You know, I started thinking about the book and that went into a kind of reverie about what could happen with the book. And all of a sudden I got into this kind of vision of the possibilities if I, if I wrote this book. Um, and so I saw it doing exactly what it eventually did. But I, I just, like anyone would, you know, I was just a therapist off on a hike in a, 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 a forest. And uh, so I just kind of blew it off. 
and I decided, um, you know, I need to pursue it logically, and that's what I did. And it it didn't get mystical in in the sense as I was writing it until I realized that some of the things I saw in that little vision it was an intuitive vision that that they started to come through. You know, the things happened. You know, happened, and I finally got it written. And I what to, to your more practical point, I got. I did something that I advise all writers to do now. Is I tested a book like you would test a movie. I get give friends of friends, nobody who was indebted to me. I've talked about this before, but they uh, and asked for their feedback on the book. And I considered I'd probably sent it to a or gave it to a hundred people, and I considered it meaningful. Uh, whatever they, where, where they got lost or where they stopped reading or what they were confused by. And I fixed every one of these over another year of writing. And, and then when I started getting a sign that uh, people would say something like, well, this is really good. I, do you have another copy? I, I want to give it to a friend of mine. He would really, or she would really like to discuss it. Well, that was the prototype of what happened with the book after it was published. And, and you know, the big guys were not, were not at all in, interested in publishing the book. Uh, it, seemed too te- it seemed too esoteric. Uh, but so we, we started our own company, got it out there, and it caught on with, and, and, and started to be passed along. So I had a sense that it was, I, would, I was, you know, blundering along on my my uh, course of destiny so I, so I was kind of encouraged that it was getting passed along in the test but then it started to happen and and that's very exciting now this w- what I try to when I tell this story I try to I try to get people to you know don't think that in order to have a the most inspired life you you can imagine that you have to be famous in something inspiration, sense of calling, that's all about a truth that you want to tell in the world. And sometimes it's just in your family. But, but if you have that, if you get that inspiration, that's what matters. Doing something that you're, you're, you, that you wanted to do with your life, maybe even planned to do with your life. And when you step into that journey, uh, it's very exciting. And so I, I talk about it all the time as something that we can expect is our birthright that level of inspiration and clarity about one's life you know we get helped now we can get in the way and that's what the work is about <laughs> you know realizing how to give up what's holding us back but the, the our birthright is to find that level of inspiration so james i want to dive into what i mentioned about the book being still relevant today and how that relates actually to present time but it's interesting. One of the things I realized that I, I'm going to say evolved a little bit, how I share it ever since you shared that story with me about how the book got launched and, and even more so how you wrote it in terms of getting feedback. So where I, I, I help people secure and deliver a TEDx talk and, uh, and I've been down that path multiple times. So people started reaching out and saying, Hey, what's the process look like? And within the training, I've talked for a long time about, you know, present your talk to other people, get their feedback, all that kind of stuff. But what I added in that I I feel like I'll use the word inspired from you (laughs) rather than saying I just kind of ended up uh, by osmosis taking it was I said, 
another thing you need to do is if you're trimming it down, because a TEDx talk is 18 minutes or less, and most speakers have a struggle with doing that, I said, if you're trimming it down, when you're talking to these other people you're getting feedback from, make sure you ask them where their story stops for them, where they, if they're following along and they're excited and they're jazzed up and they're along with you, and then you lose them, where do you lose them? Because that piece can probably come out. It might not be moving the story forward. Anyway, and I only realized recently, I think I got that from when you said about asking people, where do you stop on the page? What page stops you? So anyway, you inspired that just so you know. To the best, uh, of, my, you know, to the best of my knowledge, you inspired us. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you're on your journey and you can tell by the level of inspiration you have about your work. Well, and, I'm definitely passionate. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, I think that, you know, the, the message today, this, you know, the book came out years ago, uh, for the first time uh, with the sales and crops. Uh, but the message today for me is that, and it's very exciting because, uh, there's a whole new group reading the sales and crops out there now. And then I got a call actually from, uh, I've told you this story, but I, I got a call from the publishers who said, you know, what are you doing out there? What are you stirring up? And I said, well, not a whole lot. I just doing what I do. And they said the Celsius prophecy is surging again. Apparently, they can tell by the chatter and the and uh, the book uh, being passed along uh, and the talk about that. And I said, well, it, 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 so it's surging again. And we figured out it's uh, it's among the millennials uh, and their children because millennial, the older millennials, their children are. They're almost ready to go to college now. So we've got two huge generations interested in spirituality. Okay, so the book, I don't take credit for any of the, uh, for moving people somewhere they don't want to go. But <clears throat> the Celsian Prophecy managed to describe spiritual experience in a way that people could relate to. So what's happening is that more people are getting interested in spiritual experience via the Celestine prophecy. Uh, and it's pretty interesting uh, that the, these two groups, millennials and their children, are key places where you, you ask the deep questions in life, right? Um, the, uh, the millennials are passing, uh, passing 30, a lot of them are 36, looking at 38. Now 38 is a key time in life. It happens to every generation. 30 is the first one where you go, oh my goodness, life is more difficult than I thought. I have to make a living. You know, parents are tired of supporting me. And you have to actually go do something to make money. Um, by the time you get to 38, though, that's a, that's a passage where people, uh, and it's uncanny, it's actually an astrological conjunction that one reaches in life. But 38 is really uncanny because they look ahead and they see 40 running toward them, right? And that's when, that's when a generation says, wow, what, what do I really, time is passing fast, what do I really want to do with my life? I got to figure out what I really want to do. I know what I'm doing, but what do I really want to do? And that's what's happening to a whole generation at the same time their children are going into college and asking all the questions you asked there. So, uh, yeah, the, the book seems to be suddenly uh, apt for a lot of people out there, and which makes me really happy because 
I've always thought that, that these two generations, which will soon be the majority generations on the planet, I mean, they're very close now because the millennials are huge and their kids, that generation are huge. We call them Zs. I think they deserve a better name later on. We'll find out. Uh, but anyway, it's very, it's very uh, interesting that now we, uh, the book's being passed along. Uh, the publisher wanted me to write something at the end of the Celsian Prophecy, which I've never done, no afterward. And uh, that's what we've done. So we've uh, added an afterward aimed at these two generations that seem to be passing the, look, uh, the book along at a high rate. And, uh, and well, I talk about what to do now. You know, here's the world, here's, where you, here's what you're feeling. How can you break through in a way that is unique for your generation? And so I guess we can officially say then that the book is, well, it's being, and, and technically when a person's listening to this or, or depending on when they catch this, has been fully re-released again. Is that, is that the terminology we can use? Sure, re-released. And, and, you know, it's fun for me because I get to talk about it on shows like this. And so if I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to call myself a mathematician or anything, but if I do the math in my head really quick, I believe that's 27 years since it was originally released. I, am I right or off or? Well, you're, yeah, you're uh, a little long. I think, uh, you know, we, I counted from the, the, the hardcover edition. Oh, okay. Uh, which, which happened in 94. So it's 14 okay. years. 14 years. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah and it, it, uh, again, it's always been passed along. It's just surging again among these two generations. Okay, so it's 24 years then, I guess, in total. 24 years, I'm sorry, yeah. 24 years. But I mean, so the reason I, the, the reason I dive into there, James, is because, you know, I mean, you know the writing industry better than a lot of people. How often does that happen? You know, a book resurging after, well, just say 20 plus years. How often does that happen? I mean, that doesn't seem like it'd be very common. Well, it's not very common. Uh, there are very few books. In fact, they took to all the classics from those 20 years uh, that had a self-help or spiritual breakthrough orientation uh, and put them on a table. That's what really made them realize what was going on. Put them on a table in one of the chains as classics. And Celestine moved out of the, off that table faster than any of the other classics. So World, uh, Road Less Traveled, uh, any of the, uh, I'm not gonna I'm name the other books, that wouldn't be fair, but uh, what, and what's happening now, and that's another thing, now this is, this is not about me, and it's not even about the book. It's about spiritual, people tuning in to what I like to call an authentic spirituality. You know, it's a, it's a set of spiritual experiences that can enhance your life. And that's what most people don't realize about the kind of spiritual tuning in that the book talks about. This is something that uh, people do because of how it incites and, and energizes one's life. Because we realize, basically, that there is a spiritual dimension in this life. We're here on purpose. And we all have a calling. And what happens is that once you start to tune in on how to follow that calling, and it, it takes some adjustment just just to integrate it into your life. And, you know, it's just not, uh, you have to reorient to doing something uh, and, and, and allow yourself to be guided through this journey of calling. Uh, and it's, it's sort of a, a tuning into a higher intelligence within or 
uh, an intuitive intuition, a knowingness within. And when you break through to that, then you're on your way. So I know, James, you talk about mysterious coincidences a lot. And this is something that's really, I'm going to say, become present in my life. I've been a lot more conscious of it ever since I first heard uh, your words about that in general. And I'd like to get your thoughts on, I mean, I don't know how this sort of relates. So that's what I'm going to ask about the mysterious coincidences. But I'm starting to now in my life, as I get older, maybe can see, reflect backward, if you will, or reflect on an earlier life earlier part of my life, see where certain things, I think Steve Jobs called it joining up your dots, where I can see where something happened. And at the time, I thought it was the worst thing that ever happened. I, get, I actually uh, aired a Facebook Live the other day, talking about a girl invited me on a trip, uh, canceled last minute. I, I was, you know, let's say devastated at the time. And then I, I saw all of a sudden, I went on a trip on my own trip. And the circumstances actually led to me getting together with my girlfriend, which now has led to me having a one-year-old child with her. And if I would have went on that first trip and everything would have worked out the way I thought it was meant to work out, then none of the rest probably would have happened. I would have been on a different path. And so now I can look back and say, it, it happened for a good reason. It was meant to happen. So how does that relate to mysterious coincidences? Because I think they're different, but one's forward, one's backwards, perhaps. Well, one of the things that the book talks about, and, and I really like to emphasize, is that the, the key to starting a, what I, I call a synchronistic flow, you know, a flow of if you have a problem, you wait for a, a mysterious coincidence to bring you that solution. Uh, if, if you are looking for your calling, you wait for mysterious coincidences to bring you the information that clarifies your calling. And then once you get to that place, build your energy enough, what happens is that mysterious coincidences open up opportunities for your calling to manifest in the world. So the key along that journey, if you want to get the flow going, is uh, being able to pick out the silver linings in this journey. In other words, when you hit a brick wall for some reason, or something goes wrong, instead of thinking, uh, this, nothing, there's nothing to these meaningful coincidences. See, they let me, it let me, led me somewhere that, that I didn't get what I wanted or it wasn't fun. What we have to do is turn that around and realize that there's a silver lining in every event. And once we do that, then uh, you make, you know, you make a positive out of whatever the negative is. And listen, sometimes it can be really hard, but if you make a positive and sometimes you can't see the positives until you go down your journey a little longer. And then you realize as you did, Oh my goodness. If I would taken this route, I would have missed this route uh, that's much better right now. So that's the key really to increasing your synchronistic flow and allowing yourself to be guided. So it's interesting, the meaningful coincidences, when I think about um, you know, that circumstance, like you said, at the time I wouldn't have realized or probably wouldn't have been open to realizing what was gonna happen as a result and it could be positive. But one of the questions that I've asked now in a lot of interviews, and I'm sure I've asked you this question, I believe I have, is if you could go back in a time machine and talk to a younger version of yourself, what would you tell them? So I ended up doing my last TEDx talk on that exact subject. And what I shared was the most common answers that I've been getting is around the idea of the things that you thought were the worst things that ever could have happened ended up being the things most responsible for who you are today. So if you would have told yourself not to take those chances or, or to, to not make those decisions, your whole life would be different today. That's, 
that's correct. So that's key. You know, you have to not not take it too hard when something negative happens. It's yeah, it's it's like sitting uh, going to the airport and realize your flight's delayed because they found a mechanical issue. Right? You'll be bummed out about uh, sitting there longer, but you're you know you feel pretty glad that they found the the the, the, uh, the problem in the airplane and didn't fly you off of the problem. It's the same thing in life. I mean, we're flying uh, with a certain amount of knowledge and then something will go wrong. It's often what goes wrong that gives us another piece of knowledge that ensures that we can move forward in a, in a, in a more inspiring direction. Uh, so that's the key. And, and the main, my main point about synchronicity is, is it, we have to get it through our heads that we're helped in life. There's a spiritual dimension seeking our best in life. Um, and, you know, it's not going to help us, uh, you know, lose more money on betting football games. But it is going to, it is going to shape our reactions so that we move forward uh, in a way that our soul wants. And, 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 and as the inspiration goes up and success goes up, we realize it's what we want to so we can we can fight this, make negatives out of it, uh, but we have to get in, into our minds that we are helped in life. All we have to do is tune in and be patient. So I, I love it, James, because I think of it from two fronts. On one hand, if we understand this, then we can be conscious of the meaningful coincidence when it happens so that we can better take you know, advantage of it in our lives in a positive way. And then you know what I was talking about, about the reverse thing the reason i shared that talk my main takeaway was i want to show you that most of these thought leaders who thought it was a terrible thing that happened then realized it was great my hope to people in the audience was that you realize these things that are going to happen to you tomorrow might not be the end of the world and it might be the thing that actually is meant to happen so that you now if you think about it as you said in a more positive way going into it then you're going to have a more positive result and what popped into my head when you mentioned that about <clears throat> the plane and something could be going wrong is a story about the late Zig Ziglar. His son Tom shared with me about how he had the, uh, he had a super positive attitude to life, Zig Ziglar did. And um, he was at the airport and he said, I've never seen anybody so patient with flight delays and things like that. And he goes, why would I complain? I got the best view and the biggest office in the country right now. Anyway, but one of the things that he said apparently is Tom said that, uh, the lady said, Mr. Ziegler, I know you're probably on your way to a talk. Uh, I'm so sorry about the delay. And he said, well, I think of it this way. You know, I could either be up there or down here. And if you don't want to send the plane up there, I'd much rather be down here. There's a whole lot of reasons why I'd rather be down here than up in that plane if you guys don't want me up in there. But it was just what a perspective that he had on it. Uh, but just the full circle of that is I think if we realize things happen for a reason, and as you said, James, there's a silver lining, I think it actually impacts the way we react to things in a more positive way in the present. That's right. So that's the key to synchronicity, making sure we don't get sidetracked by a, a negative interpretation when we might find a positive interpretation. For you know, the other key is being bold with exploring synchronicities. You know, it does you no good, I say this a lot, does you no good to go into a shopping mall and see a person coming in the door and maybe glance at each other. And then you see, you go into another department store and there, there that person is all of a sudden right across from you. And then you think that's interesting. And then you go get something to eat at the food bar 
and there the person is again across the room. So, you know, that, I call that orbiting. But what's key in a situation like that is synchronicity. Sure, it's, it's a meaningful coincidence, but what's the meaning? And so it does you no good to just go home and tell your spouse, hey, uh, you wouldn't believe it's cra- uh, this mysterious coincidence I had, you know? You have to explore. You have to find a way to, uh, to start up the conversation, being safe, public place, all that. But talk to strangers. When you, when you see this kind of thing, when you, have a, you overhear a conversation, they're talking about a subject that you just were thinking about uh, an hour before that you wanted to, to explore, you gotta start up a conversation. Uh, and in one of my books, I call it a conscious conversation. Well, it's in the Celsius Prophecy as well. But uh, it's time to have conscious conversations. If we're all slowing down and perceiving these synchronicities and exploring them with the people that are showing up on time as though they had message for for you for us or that we have for them uh that's conscious and that kind of conscious interaction is going to define ultimately a, a spiritual culture on, on planet earth you know we just have to uh make sure that we're implementing it into our own lives and get it all we can and as soon as there are enough of us then the hundreds monthly monkey happens and and the whole world can can uh, create that kind of culture so James, as we start to wind down, you know, this is, I mean, and, and I, you know, we've chatted that uh, it'd be great to uh, kind of kick off a series to sort of tie back into the book and, and it being re-released and maybe diving further into each of the insights. Uh, but as we wind down today, as I know there's never enough time, what are you hoping now that the book is being re-released, what are you hoping will, let's say two parts, what do you hope will happen and now it's a, it's a new generation again, two new generations really, um, pushing this with the book, you know, making it uh, a big thing again. So A, again, what are you hoping that people will take away and what will be the result from the book? And what are you hoping people uh, will say about the book now? Like, would it be different than before? Or do you, would you like to see it be a whole new thing is I guess what I'm driving at. Well, I think, uh, I think that already we know that, that millennials are finding in it a interpretation of spiritual possibility for them uh, and like gen- like the rest of uh, the generations out there you know they're finding meaning uh, for their lives and and in it if people can take that novel that story that they live through and all and, and, and integrate that kind of approach to life then we can solve the many problems uh, out there that we have in the world very quickly. And I think it's uh, the reason I believe that, that these two youngest generations are, are, are reading the book is that because they are really uh, concerned about the level of corruption and inauthenticity and anger and all the rest out there in the world. And, you know, it's, they may, may even have a hard time seeing that as a positive thing. But in, in light of what we just said about positivity, what, what, what's real happened, what's good about what's happening now, where all the corruption is so brave and brazen that they kind of brag about it, you know? Uh, you know, the way social media is really a kind of spying organization on us. It's coming to light right now. It's, it, it's depressing at one, at one level. But we realize that, hey, that corruption, they're, they're so unconscious that it's, 
that of what they're doing, they're saying it out loud about what they're doing. And that happened, that's with politicians too. They're saying it out loud with the craziness that they want to do. And what we, the way we can react is, or what we can think, I believe, across all generations, is, hey, the corruption is showing itself to be replaced by a grounded spiritual uh, uh, wave that, that can uh, live their inspired calling and create a culture that replaces the one of selflessness and greed and, and lostness and, and fear and all the, all the rest out there. That can be replaced as more and more people get into this uh, higher calling and that inspiration and that all the energy that goes uh, with that and the non-condemning, just open, authentic expression of this uh, and spread it around. And the, the more it spreads around, the more the, the world can be ultimately transformed. And so, James, the book itself, it's, it's available now, you know, that we're doing like a futuristic thing because the interview is a few days before the book, but uh, it's available now in stores and uh, people can grab their copy. And I guess where, and I know we usually end with this question anyway, but where would you normally direct people if they A, want to keep the conversation alive after grabbing the book or B, if they want to learn more about your work? You know, is there a hub, if you will? Sure. Well, our, our website is CelestineVision.com. And, you know, there are lots of articles there. We have Facebook groups. We have all kinds of places where you can ask questions and join in the conversation. Uh, uh, and remember, the new book has a, an afterword that's quite lengthy on how to see the insights as new abilities that make you uh, or allow you to download your higher, really, I call it intuitive intelligence in life. So you kind of know what to do, moves to make, to stay out of trouble, and also to, to maximize this flow of, of helping. Uh, you stay oriented toward helping, then you have better karma. It's just uh, everybody can prove it to themselves. So that's, you know, that's what I would like to see people do. Tune in, start talking it, kind of hold the vision of the book uh, in their daily lives and, and live it out loud. That's, that's the way to spread it around. And if they, if they got the original, let's say, uh, back in the day, now we can almost say 20 some years is back in the day almost. Um, if they got the original, uh, as you mentioned, the, this new edition, it, it really sounds like uh, they need to get this one as well. It needs to be the accompaniment. Like it sounds like uh, it kind of all these years later, they get to hear your perspective on how all this stuff ties together and how they can apply it in a modern world. Well, my my goal is that they pass what's the books they have. They're they're that's thousands, hundreds of thousands of Celtic prophecies lining bookshelves all over the United States, all over the world. And if they can uh, communicate uh, what's in the book to others by passing the, the the books that are not helping anybody on their shelves, you know, uh, then that's the wave I'd like to see for for people who want to go deeper. There's this afterward that uh, is in the new edition, uh, and that, that's the one that gives more precise guidance on how to live this consciousness that we're talking about here. Uh, but the main thing is to pass, pass them along, uh, especially to the two younger generations coming on board, and create a kind of uh, lived uh, version 
uh, of, of the book in terms of how we approach life. Uh, if we do that around ourselves, then that's contagious and it, it spreads. That's what I like to see. Awesome. Well, James, this has been an absolute pleasure. And I'll add in this that uh, something a friend of mine did, and I think when you mentioned about passing it along to a younger generation or a child or what have you, a friend of mine did this and I thought it was so profound in a lot of ways. But he gave people specific books, Think and Grow Rich, How to Win Friends, some of the older classics, and, and he basically paid them. And these are like either his children or children of his friends. He pays them like 15 to $20 for a book report. <laughs> but he gets them to do it on the books that can change your life. So it's almost like tricking them into <laughs> changing their life. Anyway, and so maybe I'll, I'll leave that up to parents to decide, but maybe that's what you can do with your sales team prophecy is get your kid <laughs> well, to do a book report on it. The good thing about sales team prophecy is it's written to be an inspiring book, a, a book that rewards uh, helping others as an ethic, uplifting others as an ethic, uh, and absolutely no controlling of others <clears throat> the book is an anti-cult anti-controlling it's find your own individual spirituality within yourself uh so it's a book that uh that young people uh get a lot out of and it's, it's certainly the positive guidance that everybody wants Awesome. Well, James Redfield, this has been an absolute pleasure. As I mentioned, um, I think we're, we're probably going to be kicking off a, another series that you and I can chat about that further. But in the interim, thank you so much for joining us today. I always call it a to be continued because I always know we're going to have you back. So thank you for all the work that you do. Thank you for uh, agreeing to and deciding to re-release this book because uh, I think it's, it's probably, as we said and implied, more needed than ever before. Uh, so just thank you for all the great work you're doing and for getting this book back out to the masses. Thank you. Appreciate that. And uh, keep doing what you're doing, Corey. You're really good at it. Thanks for tuning in. You can also check us out at letsdoinfluencing.com. If you head over there now, you can actually get a free copy of my Enlightened book. But it depends when you land there, because uh, as soon as we have the new website up, that may disappear. So don't delay if you're hearing this before uh, the new website's up, letsdoinfluencing.com. If, uh, if you missed out, there'll still be another gift at the website, and uh, you'll see a whole brand new website. So one or the other should be there. Again, any questions, though, feel free to reach out to us at conversationswithleaders at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone, and have a successful, powerful, amazing, world-changing day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.